Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another week of the Liberty B-Side podcast. I'm Steve King. Alongside me is Matt Luloyan. And Matt, alongside us from an hour and a half, two hours away, across technology. I'm excited. You're excited. I'm excited. (laughs) Steve Huber joining us via Zoom on the Liberty B-Side podcast. Steve Huber, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, everybody. It's good to be here. Good to be with you guys. Steve, it was great to have you out in Harrisburg yesterday and Christine as well. And... um, uh, always thankful when you come and serve us like that. And um, there's a bunch of folks that have known you now for a number of years. And then uh, it's always it's always incredible. There's like always a handful of people. It's like the first time they've ever they've ever seen our crazy uncle from Philadelphia who comes out and hangs out with us every now and then in, in Harrisburg. A self described crazy uncle. You called yourself that yesterday. And it was a, <laughs> I mean, Steve. Let me be honest. It was very fitting. It was it was it was a fit. Sure. I. <laughs> It's it's fun. Hey, we're part, part of a church family, and uh, it, there's been a long, loving um, relationship with a number of Liberty Churches, really with all the Liberty Churches and everyone in the network, somehow, by God's grace. And so that's just a lot of fun. Uh, I rejoice in that. And uh, yeah, I joke around being like the, you know, the uncle that, that's at the family reunion that's really excited to see you. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, it was really great to be there. Yeah, we were we were, we were grateful to have you and, and grateful for this time this morning too to just be have you join us on the podcast. This is a resource that we use to unpack uh, the sermons, also a resource um, to field questions from people in our community and to support the discussions that take place um, in our Bible study groups. And so, Steve, you continued our um, our series yesterday. It was the third week of our. Uh, goodness of God series. That's kind of the quickest way of referring to the goodness of God. We're, really, we're calling it Taste and See, Learning to Trust the Goodness of God. And so you continued that for us yesterday. Thanks for doing that again. Can you give us, maybe start us off with the two to three minute summary of what you preached on and we'll go from there. Sure thing. Sure thing. Yeah, it was good to be there. And um, yeah, it's a privilege to preach the word of God. And uh yeah, it's always fun to see family members, part of your church family, they haven't seen in a long time. So that was really special. So yesterday was Psalm 73, and it's a psalm from Asaph, who's a worship leader. And here's the thing. He he gives his landing point in the first uh, verse, truly God is good. God is good to Israel. Hmm. And so you can say truly God is good, but he opens it up on his struggle with that. And he was at this point where he... He envied the arrogant. He envied the lives of those who don't love, serve God. And we're we're talking about folks who are straight up wicked, like who love violence, who do terrible things, who are uh, crushing other people. And he said, look, look at their prosperity. They're healthy. They have health. They have wealth. And, you know, maybe in vain I have kept myself innocent. Maybe in vain I pursued the Lord. And then he, he explains um, what encountering the goodness of God and worship meant to him and means to him. And uh, 
Yeah, he encounters the goodness of God in worship. He realizes what's going to happen to the wicked, and he realizes God's grace to him just as a worshiper. And yeah, he ends the psalm. He lets us in on his journey. And he ends the psalm by saying, you know, as for me, it is good, it's good to be near the Lord. So yeah, yeah. Psalm 73, as for me, it is be good. It is good to be near God. I made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Yeah. Thanks for that. Thanks for that summary. And Steve, I thought you did a really great job yesterday and appreciate this. Like it's one thing to have done it well. I actually more so appreciate you bringing in um, your own emotion, your own process, your own vulnerability um, in the way that you delivered the message. Um, it wasn't just an intellectual reflection um, on wrestling with God's goodness. You, your heart came through a lot in how you preached it, yeah. um, preached on us. I'm just grateful and, and thankful that you did that. And I think that was impactful for us to hear it that way. Hey, thanks for that encouragement. I, I think it's, it's something that uh, pastors need to be careful of in preaching not definitely not to be self-focused or to tell stories that in a way that's not healthy, direct the attention back to you. But I, I wanted to talk about a couple times that where, you know, just admit, Hey, I myself have wrestled with the goodness of God mm-hmm. in seasons of suffering. And my, my heart in doing that, my intention was to normalize that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Believers, most of us will go through times of suffering or doubt where we will wrestle with the question and it can take different forms. Like where is God in the world's events? Where is God in my, in my particular family's events or in my life? Mm -hmm. What's it all mean? Or why did God allow this thing to happen? Um, So yeah, I was trying to normalize all that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. One uh, one thing that you brought up, Steve, that I thought was just really insightful. I don't know that I've got a question in this necessarily, but um, you know, and that's I mean, straight out of Psalm seventy three, it's it's the it's the other side of the problem of evil. So if the if the problem of evil is typically framed as or the problem of pain or whatever we might call it, um, why do bad things happen to to good people? Why do bad things happen in the world if God is good? The, the flip side is what Asaph is really riffing on, which is why do um, why do good things happen to wicked people? Why are there? So um, I'm curious, maybe like, you know, either it could be from your own life or just just pastorally as you as you are interacting with other people. Where do you see that flip side of that coin creating creating tension in our in our day and age? Do you see? I mean. I don't know if you if you feel like disproportionately you feel like you get a lot more of one of those kind of questions as people wrestle through it, or if it's if it's both and. I just thought that was a really interesting point, and I tend to think the way you framed it, the problem of evil being why why does this bad stuff happen if God's good? But I, Asaph, you know, of course, goes the other way. Steve, I think you're muted. I think, you uh, yeah, I sure was muted. Um, it sounds like the mailman is stuffing rakes through the front door. So that's why I just muted myself there for a second. I'm got, back online. Got to love Philly. <laughs> you got to get the rake through the mail slot. It sounded awful. So I just muted it. Um, to me, particularly in a social media age, and I joked about that a little bit. So yeah. social media, it's everyone's their self publicist and we hmm. edit out 
anything that's hard mm-hmm. or rough. And we self-curate a public image. That's what social media does for just in general. Everyone's self-curating an image and putting it that out there. So to me, I mean, this is perennial. This is old as Asaph that goes back to uh, King David. Yeah. Um, but to me, particularly in the social media age, um, it appears that uh, people who don't believe in God, love God, seek God, acknowledge God, maybe publicly and very explicitly or implicitly uh, despise the claims of Jesus mm-hmm. and the call of Jesus, then very publicly say, uh, hey, I have an awesome life. You should live like me. Yeah. Look, I'm killing it. Yeah. I got my beach. I got my feet up on the sand. Hashtag blessed. Look who's blessed now. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm blessed. Uh, my my godless and it's basically um, people saying, and I'm not, I'm saying this in general. I'm mm-hmm. not even thinking of a particular person right now. Mm-hmm. But what social media does is, is takes a a godless, Christless, other gospel. Yeah. Live for yourself. You're the king. You're the center of the world. You deserve it all. You can discover your own truth. And then says, hey, this is awesome. I'm killing it and I'm enjoying it. And guess what? You could be like me too. Hashtag blessed. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, at least for me, it, and it, it's part of my own story too, um, growing up in the church, but whether people grew up in the church or not, I, I feel like I, where I encounter that most um, relationally is in um, people in kind of, let's say, like the high school, post-high school, college, 20-something kind of age group where the, um, maybe especially for people that have grown up in the church, that whole question of like, is it actually satisfying to follow Jesus? Is it actually worth it? Um and the kind of appeal that that's out there from things that they know would be contradictory or inconsistent with uh, a faithful, faithfully following Jesus. But, um, but it looks like people are just thriving, like the money that they're making, the, the joy they're projecting, the external stuff all just looks pretty incredible. There's a lot of sheen, you know, on it that, um, that, that, uh, that has an appeal to it. And, and there were, and I, so even, even that this, psalmist is kind of in this spot and and really asking this question like is it actually worth it to follow to follow god faithfully to be faithful because right now it seems like god's not even seeing or caring who does who does what so i that's um that that just really stuck stuck out to me as a um i i wasn't i've thought about that maybe more from a uh standpoint of like where we find our satisfaction less of it being kind of the corollary to like the problem of evil and suffering in the world. And I, so I thought that was just a really good insight that you brought into mm-hmm. to, to that yesterday. You know, it, another thought that kind of goes along with this, I heard Tim Keller talking about this um, on a podcast where he was, he's basically talking about catechizing his grandkids. Huh. And so for instance, uh, in the reformed uh, family, the Westminster confession of faith, is a big deal. The Westminster Catechism is a catechism that is a big deal, yeah. and is and is and is precious and helpful in many ways. And also, here's the thing with the Westminster Catechism: it's designed to help you not be Catholic. <laughs> Catholic is like being Catholic was the default, you yeah. know. 
And here, huh. here is a gospel-centered, Christ alone, faith alone, the Bible alone stuff that we're going to help you with. And now the default setting for people is not Catholic or Presbyterian or Reformed, but there are other, the default of the culture are, and what we actually, and this is where I think sometimes the church has been asleep, uh, asleep on how quickly uh, the culture is forming all of us, hmm. and especially young people in the area of like, hey, you know what? Okay, you don't even need to argue, argue this. This, this is just assume that it's valid. Hey, you know what? Uh, the way you can be most free and most authentic and live your best life is to discover your own truth and to find truth for yourself yeah. and live that. Any, there's nothing outside there to submit to or to discover or hmm. to listen to. Huh. And so like that's, and we're radically, we're consumers. It's like a way of life. Huh. Um, it's not just buying too much stuff, but a way we think about identity and self-construction hmm. and identity. And I think that that's, yeah, that's kind of the, this is kind of another podcast, but that's one of the reasons why people are like, in a way that it's even somehow hard to articulate, Christ, kids grow up in the church. Mm-hmm. This can happen at 15, 20, 25, 45. You grow up in the church and you realize the church, the claim of Jesus is saying that through him, I will know what's true, what's beautiful and what's real. And also there's the invitation to die. And actually there's this other gospel out there that says, actually, I don't have to die. And if I just throw off, uh, if I define freedom for myself and live that authentically, that will lead to a blessed life. And that's just, that's another narrative. That's another, it's another religion. Yeah. Yeah. You- and hopefully secularism is being, um, people think of it as like scientific, but they said there's tenets of secularism that are another religion. That's a whole other discussion, but that's, that's part of the whole thing that we're discussing right now. Yeah. I appreciate how you even brought that into the sermon yesterday. I think you referred to it as, you know, kind of the, the hypothetical, the person buffet. who, the buffet, well, the buffet, but the person who leaves the church and you leave the church of belief to go to the church of unbelief. That's really, huh. it's, it's, it's just another church. It's another religion. So not to belabor the point you just made. Yeah. There's a whole nother podcast to be said about how secularism is a religion, hmm. but really I always think in the, in the lens of, through the lens of the questions remain, you know, like we, we have the, the questions that exist in the heart of every person or every person in life, as, maybe even as life passes and it gets, they get deeper in their lives questions are always there and they need to be answered and you're going to answer those questions in in church whatever church you go to you're going to have to answer those questions outside the church it's another belief system that's going to bring you answers to the same questions the questions don't always change all that much the questions are the same mm-hmm. where you find the answers and where you find the only truth that's going to change and there's only one truth to be found hmm. well it's an interesting thing too that um we Western Americans have a hard time admitting the power of our community on our beliefs, hmm. how we live and the people we surround ourselves with affects what we believe. How do you live affects what you believe? Yeah. And also what we believe affects how we live. 
And so people think like, um, hey, and here is my point. I think I, I only said that in the second service. I said, hey, if you're questioning Christianity, can you still be connected in the community of faith while you're doing that? Because if you leave the church, you're really just in the church of unbelief. Yeah. And what I'm saying is the wider culture is not neutral. Uh, to drop out of the community of faith with a lifestyle and practices, and and this is what's happening uh, in the whole deconversion phenomenon. Yeah. Then to surround yourself by people who who are saying and affirming, and it's being affirmed so widely culturally that you don't even need to argue for it. I, I joked about this years ago. My 10-year-old daughter uh, bought a Follow Your Heart t-shirt at Target. Yeah. I forget if she bought it. Or maybe we were, I was shopping with her. And at Target, in a t-shirt for little kids, it says Follow Your Heart. Uh-huh. Okay. The most important thing, and it's so prevalent out everywhere, is that you define your own truth. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying, like, I'm not against you follow your heart t-shirts for 10 year old girls. I'm just saying, Hey, there's something there that's been Disney-fied and it's so prevalent everywhere. Right. That, uh, if it's even on a t-shirt for little kids at target, can we just admit like when you unplug from the church, uh, you're in the lazy river of the way our culture is moving. The lazy rivers that like slow, amusement park rides for dads who don't want to stay in the lines for a roller coaster anymore and they mm-hmm. just get the tube it just kind of moves you along it's go- like it's we're glorious. being moved along yeah. by the culture you yeah. know <laughs> we're being moved along by the culture yeah and actually to be a part of the community of faith it gives you actually uh reason and the way to go against the stream hmm. like what's what's the bigger countercultural move right now yeah um yeah there's a, there was a band in the neighborhood uh, years ago. Um, um, oh, I just I just had it on the uh, the tip of my tongue. They're like, uh, oh, I forgot, but their name was hilarious, and they were like, we're just we're totally unique, just like everybody else. That was their tagline. <laughs> we're totally and absolutely unique. That's right. Just like everybody just like else. everybody else. <laughs> kind of like this cultural moment. That's awesome. Generica. Yeah. Generica. Generica. That's so fantastic. Like, we're absolutely unique. Just like everybody else. <laughs> That's really good. That's wow. great. Okay. So what I take away from that, Steve, is the main application points. We should all boycott Target for the next for the next several months. We should start a, start a Liberty Harrisburg yeah. Target boycott. Yeah. <laughs> That's our... Would you say don't shop at Target? Don't shop at Target. Shop? No more no more Target shopping. Target's been, Target has been the news recently. Oh, have they? I mean, that shirt 10 years ago is... is Pretty tame? Pretty tame okay. to the stuff you're finding at Targets these days. As, okay. as the lazy really, river. I'm completely unaware of that, and I didn't make that comment where <laughs> anything happening uh, about Target. Uh, thank you, Steve King, for saying that. Just another way to be canceled from the Harrisburg. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, I want to like pick up on what you said though, because I think that's really good, Steve. Like, and and creating an environment in the church among Christians where people can wrestle through doubt like this and not feel like they've got to leave. Um, of yeah. course, people, you know, you only have so much control over what people do with that. You're making a plea to people yesterday, like, don't just go join the Church of Unbelief. 
Um, but as far as what we have control over as Christians, you know, thinking about what does it look like to make the church and Christian relationships places that people feel freedom to wrestle the way Asaph did, the way all of us do um, in different times of our lives, maybe specifically as relates to your sermon yesterday. So Asaph has this gut check moment, verses 14 and 15. He starts to think about the next generation. And he's like, well, if I actually just start to play out what I'm thinking in my head, and I would say that to a to a kid, this is crazy. I'm, I'm believing some stuff that's not true here. Um, he has that moment where then he goes to the sanctuary and at the, you know, before the face of God, at the feet of God, he, he has his, his, um, you know, his, uh, his, his, what's the word I'm thinking of here? His, um, epiphany. Yeah. His epiphany His kind of like he's re his, his perspective is recalibrated there. So I guess maybe, um, we want people to kind of have that moment that like verse 14, 15 Asaph moment, like, yeah. You know, I wake up to this. How do we let people kind of experience the process that ASAF and all of us experience at times and sit in the process versus like try to encourage them to get to that that pivotal moment, that gut check moment where they, they kind of wake up and go, OK, now I see it as it really is. Right. As your question clarify that question a little bit yeah is the question like how do we allow people room for process and have a proper like it's a struggle yep and yet we're lovingly saying here's the claim here's the invitation of christ here's the calling of christ yep is that what you're saying that's it man and how to and how to even allow people to to experience that struggle with Christians in the church, not feeling like they were putting pressure on them to, to get out of here and figure that out somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. A couple thoughts. We got to preach and live an understanding of a gospel where, and, and, Hey, we have to be comfortable with this, with the struggle and one level so that we, uh, you know, a lot of people have grown up in Christian communities where if you had actual doubt, um, you're, you just really shouldn't voice that, you right. know, tamp that down and be a good Christian, please. Right. We say that explicitly. We can say that implicitly. I'm trying to, you know, and I know you're part of this. You guys want to lead into this. We're trying to build a different, deeper, actually more biblical gospel culture at Liberty where you can, I could admit as a pastor that because of my daughter's suffering, I kind of flipped out and ran out of the beach and was shouting. Yeah. And, you know, it struggled with darkness. This is actually, God met me in that. Um, this is a psalm I've gone back to when, I forget was the, if it was the first summer of COVID or last summer, hmm. but it was deeply moving. The verse that I go back to in this psalm is, um, you know, when my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. But hmm. nevertheless, I am continually with you. Mm-hmm. You hold my right hand. That verse 23, mm-hmm. I'm continuing with me. You hold my right hand. Hmm. And I've, that's something that I've been so tired and so worn out from life in this world and ministry that it's hard to read long portions 
of scripture. I typically don't go away and like, you know what? I'm going to outline Romans. You know, I just don't want to have the gas in the tank. I'll just, sure. I just need yeah. to rest. Yeah. But just to sit in God's presence and I'm continually with you. You hold my right hand. Yeah. By God's grace, I think I've experienced that. So I think having a deep culture where we actually let people to be honest. Mm-hmm. But then this is the other thing too, and this is important, and I was trying to do this yesterday. This culture, th- this psalm invites us to reason. Where let's love people enough. Hey, let's think this out. Mm-hmm. Do you really think everyone really makes up their own tr- truth? Right. Is that what you teach your kids? Yeah. We, we don't say, well, if that's true for you, you're allowed to hit smack people on the playground, mm-hmm. you know? And we don't, you know, there is truth external to us. It invites us to read to reasoning, which I was also trying to do in the making fun of purely self curated spirituality, the buffet line. Right. Like, Hey, I'm going to, Here's what's great about that uh, authentic spirituality. We need to own it for ourselves, believe it ourselves. It actually comes from the fact that we're made in the image of God with unique gifts, personalities, passions. That is. Steve Huber has paused. Oh, man. We we've, lost him. We've lost Uncle Steve. <laughs> oh, he's back. He's back, maybe. You there? Am I back? He's yeah, back. you're back. There he is. Okay. There's only a couple guys, seconds, so you froze somewhere in the last couple seconds. Yep. Sorry, guys. No, Sorry, you're good. I don't know what happened there. Now um, you were you were talking about the buffet line where you know there, there's something there's something about okay we got to actually believe this for ourselves. We can't vicariously just kind of say okay my parents my grandparents were Christians so therefore I am. But right. then the yeah you can keep going from there. That was where you were we're at. Yeah. But the the buffet line is. Western Americans, we've been culturally conditioned to, to, to actually treat the whole realm of spirituality as a buffet line. I'll take Jesus on this. I don't want to eat. Jesus wants me to eat these vegetables. I'm going to take that off the plate, put that back. Uh, I'm going to dump what he says about sexuality. I'd rather, or I'm going to dump what he says about money, or I'm going to dump about what he says about needing to be in community. But I want to actually... Uh, actually keep that, you know, uh, I'll get to see my loved ones when I die and God's going to rule the world and life's not meaningless. I'd like to keep that. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like to not have come out publicly against Jesus. That would feel weird because he's collectively recognized as awesome. I'm kind of okay. So I, I I'll say, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm into Jesus, but I'm not into the church. You know, mm-hmm. and all the stuff that the church tells me to do that I don't feel like it, I'll just take those veggies off my plate. But I want to be the kind of person that's seen as being into Jesus. And I think we need to love people enough to just say, hey, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't give you that option. Mm-hmm. And I'm not loving you as my friend, uh, brother in Christ, sister in Christ, to, to act like you have that option and that's healthy for you. What you're actually doing is not following the real Jesus, but making it an idol. And last time I checked, the Bible says idols are bad for people. They blow up your life. Yeah. Unless you take that off your plate too. <laughs> it's a joke. The idols. <laughs> that's, a joke. True. that's it. 
that's True. um yeah that's helpful man that's that's good and um yeah i it, i think it's maybe too you know needing discernment i guess in that moment to kind of say is this the moment to kind of help step in and encourage a person that's yeah i, I mean i you know I, and i've heard several other pastors talk about this in recent months too like even the um the absurdity in some sense of like deconstruction. It's like, Hey, I was treated badly in the church, which like, God forbid, right. There's so much compassion for that when that happens. But like, therefore, um, you know, therefore I'm, I'm out. Like I'm leaving this whole thing behind. I'm leaving this, um, this whole like system of belief in Jesus and everything else. And I'm just going to, and I'm just going to, um, yeah, it's every time someone tells me, I, I want to love that person, sympathize. I've cried with people. Yeah. Just like, you know, and, and there does, and we need to call out what's wrong Mm -hmm. that has happened or is happening or leaders that were unhealthy churches that are back crazy. Yeah. Um, and also say, you know, let's speak the truth with tears. One of the things I think it's important to do then is to just say, hey, can we look at the early church and just admit like that had some craziness too? Mm-hmm. That had some, it seems like even in the Bible, we're supposed to expect, hey, God is really at work in imperfect in per- perfect churches. Yeah. And you know, I can go, I can get a little like Pauline when people talk about church hurt. It's like you know, when Apostle Paul's like, hey, whatever's happened to you, I have more reasons. Sure. <laughs> whatever's happened sure. to you, I have more. Yeah. I could do a, a podcast about church hurt and stuff that's happened to me. And yeah. it, it would fill up Steve King's hard drive. He would have to run the Best Buy and buy other hard drives <laughs> to just store. Like, I've seen some crazy stuff going down, been on the receiving end, stuff that's really unhelpful. And it does freak you out. Hmm. And yet, God is at work. What God wants to do in the world is in and through his people. And, um, Hey, the gospel says I messed up too, you know? Yeah. So it it doesn't, the church, one week church, you know, you, I heard a pastor say, you put your, you got in, in the cold end of the pool, you know, it's really, sorry. It did not feel good, but just a few church heard experiences don't give you a hall pass to punt on all the words of Jesus and the teaching of God's word about actually our need to be, to grow in community, our need to um, sing God's praise and be in God's presence on the day he rose from the dead. Yeah. So I don't know. Does that sound That's, balanced guys? Yeah. Is there anything you want to balance me on that or, you know? No, I don't, th- I don't think so. I think it's also the, I mean, you know, even what you were modeling for us yesterday by inviting people into the own, like your own honest ways that you've wrestled with it. Um, even that you're going to, you're by the grace of God, going to find your way back to those verse 15 moments or verse one moments. So, you know, truly I, you know, this is what I still know to be true. Um, or like we've even seen <clears throat> earlier in this series, like the, the Psalm four, like who will show us some good or, um, the John, you know, John chapter six, there's kind of the apostles own ver- version of that. You know, the 12, Jesus says, do you want to go away too? I've said some hard stuff. And they say, where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Like there's yeah. that, um, you know, there's that sense of like, we're, we're not going to get 
the answers to all the <clears> specific <throat> things in these in, when, when we're doubting the goodness of God, when we're when we're like even Asaph here doesn't get like all the answers. Like it's even you know that's even another fascinating other topic that that you could do like a deep dive on this one little tiny part of Psalm seventy three of like well why yeah why doesn't God um, intervene and like do something for all the wicked people? Why does he just allow the wicked to continue on in their prosperity and not like break that up for them? Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I think that's I think that's really helpful though, just the way you're you're processing that and unpacking that further that that we've got um, a real need to create that kind of environment in the church where we both give people space to wrestle through it. Don't expect them to rush them to the answer, but also like help keep them anchored in a moment where they're really vulnerable and, and, and maybe susceptible to yeah. the lazy river or the downstream yeah. torrent of culture, pulling them away from, yeah. from truth in that moment. Correct. And just let's have brave conversations. We're not culturally conditioned to have brave conversations where, Hey, this is what let's love people enough and I'm saying I I need this and have been on the receiving end of this, but to say, hey, these are the implications of how you're choosing to live right now. Um, I love you. Can I can I share perspective and thought? Or here here are my fears. Actually, we need to get we need to seek to create gospel cultures in our churches where we have honest dialogue and um just lovingly challenge each other. We're all, we're all in need of that. And look how this ends here too. I mean, just, you know, I wanted to share this while on this podcast, I was looking over the Psalm looking over my notes. Christine was driving um, to Harrisburg at this point. We were, we stayed at a place 45 minutes away. And so we just had a brief drive and I'm looking over notes and I just said out loud while we were driving, I love the Bible. Hmm. I love this psalm. Hmm. It's just so beautiful. Whom have I in heaven but you? Hmm. There is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. I read this, uh, got a new commentary in the Psalms. This guy translates it. God is the rock of my heart, Hmm. my portion forever. Asaph's like, you know, God, you're the best. Whom have I in heaven but you? And all the goodness I on earth I experience, you're better than that. And actually, in a big sense, he recognizes every good thing is from God. But he just he gets this glimpse of the beauty of God. And he's like, I might die, but God is the rock of my heart, my portion forever. God's just the the confidence and the enjoyment of God in that. Mm-hmm. Um, we get tastes of it. None of us have, we haven't experienced the whole thing. We see darkly now. Mm-hmm. So it was just like one of those times, even getting ready to, to preach this, this, this week. I'm like, I love this psalm. I, I'm, I love God. I love how God has actually used this part of his word to uh, talk me off the ledge in different dark seasons of my life. Yeah. I'm just really grateful to God. Mm-hmm. Good, man. man, praise God, dude. That, that, that's, uh, that's just really, that's encouraging, man. And just even how like Asaph, like you're, you know, you're giving us like the modern day example of what that looks like in real life, you know, that you can, mm-hmm. you can say truly God is good, but it's not this 
you know, cliche, just kind of brought, like, just general, like it's, it's from the experience of having, yeah. of having lived the doubts and wrestled through them. And on the other side of it saying what he says there in verse, like, so that's just a, so thank you for that, man. It's really, that came through in the sermon yesterday, coming through here with us today too. And sets up our, sets up our Bible study groups. Well, maybe that's maybe our, my closing thought to yeah. our Bible yeah. study group and feel free to jump in here, Steve, you got other stuff too, but just to, um, as much as you're you're willing and able to in your groups, just to invite people into the times you've wrestled with the good, the, <clears throat> and doubted the goodness of God, what what those maybe pivot moments have looked like for you, where you kind of recalibrated your perspective, you know, like oh gosh, you know, was it teaching your own kids, or you know, having to like, you know, wrestle through some particular truth? You're like, okay, I I, I kind of see things as they are now, um, and then maybe out of that what it looks like to do that well relationally with each other in your group and by extension more broadly in, in the church. Um, that could be some great conversation fodder for Bible study groups. Yeah. And Steve, I appreciate, you know, what comes to mind is you're sharing your, your process, your experiences, your faith comes with a lot of credibility, you know? And so for any of us as Christians, um, we, we have credibility, um, in this process. Now, in, in order for us, for any, of, any one of us to communicate that credibility with others, we have to talk about the things that are our hardships, our failures, our doubts, our fears. You know, that's what actually endears us to one another where yeah. we start to go like, you know, Matt, I know you as a, as a brother in Christ who's not the perfect Christian, everything yeah. put together and always says the right word on Sunday morning, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, if we're not careful, any one of us can actually present ourselves to other people that way. And so in our Bible study groups that encourage people actually demonstrate your credibility to people, to, to others in the church by sharing what's hard um, in your life and what, what's caused fear and doubt for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and where we can then go like God has given us answers and peace and joy in the midst of all of that, but we actually mm-hmm. are most credible when we talk about where we're failing and where we have fears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. I had a parting thought. So Christine was, um, when we were driving out to visit family 45 minutes away from Harrisburg on Saturday, I said, you realize this summer will be our 30th summer of long drives, 30 summers of long drives. I was <laughs> just saying like, you know, um, 1992, that was the summer we met, fell in love. It was just, hmm. it was a sweet moment to think about that. And also I started teasing Christine because I was like, her life mission when I met her was to be happy and have fun. <laughs> be happy and have fun. And she had suffering in her family and like, in a right way, like, hey, God, the life can be good. And I was like, huh. hey, I was like, I love that you had the mission of be happy and have fun. And Jesus is also given the mission of living for him, doing ministry, planning churches, shepherding churches, suffering for them, picking up crosses, um, yeah. walking with our kids and their journey that it's sometimes complicated and sharing their journey, walking with other people. And, uh, she's become, a you know, just a, a beautiful Christian with wisdom and maturity and easily, um, comes alongside people, um, who are suffering. And she still loves to be happy and have fun in proper, <laughs> proper yeah. gospel ways. Yeah. So I was kind of, kind of teasing her about that. Yeah. Like, yeah, when we share the hard parts of our story, um, it is true. Uh, when we share the hard parts of our story, it does bless people. Yeah. So, That's good. hey, I love you guys. Just want to hang out with you. Harrisburg, I love you. It's good to be with you. It's always good to be in Harrisburg. And the, the people there are so encouraging and affirming of me. 
uh, and the, the network. So keep on trucking. Yeah. Hey, we always yeah. love when Uncle Steve comes to town. So uh, come back again soon. We look forward to those those visits, man. Thanks for joining us again this morning. And thank you all for listening to the B-Side Podcast. Um, we will look forward to seeing you at worship next Sunday. Always send in questions as you have them related to uh, the sermon series or the goodness of God um, focus that we're giving in our Bible studies as we're reading through Gentle and Lowly. Uh, send those questions in as well at any time, and we'll we, look forward. We got one from Gentle and Lowly, but maybe next week we can get Yeah, that. we're out of time yeah. today. Steve, we know you have a hard cutoff, so yeah. we'll get to that again in the future yeah. episode. Send them in. Enjoy the rest of the week, yeah. everyone. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side Podcast. For more resources and information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.